listening to Foundry Church's weekly podcast, where our singular focus is to help people know, follow, and share Jesus. Our hope is that today's message would help you to encounter the living Christ in a new and transformative way. Okay, honestly, who, who like grabbed their phone? Like, oh, did I leave my, you did, didn't you? It still, like I had to proof the thing and it still gets me every time. There's an old country song that goes like this. I'm in a hurry to get things done. Oh, I rush and rush until life's no fun. All I really gotta do is live and die, but I'm in a hurry and don't know. There must've been more country country fans in the first, (laughs) Alabama fans in the first service. Um, Anybody ever felt, maybe like daily, that life is getting away from you, that there are too many things to do and too little time, or that the further along you get in life, you see, because what I realized is that I didn't really relate to that song as well as a kid as I do now. Further along you get in life, the more it seems that the rate, the speed of life accelerates daily, weekly, every year. Um, I wanna invite you into this series, today's the first week, when we're gonna look at what it looks like, what the scriptures, what Christ invites us to live in a different sort of way where we're fully present, less distracted, less hurried and rushed. Uh, you see, the, the, I've realized like when I, when I meet people or you know, even on Sunday morning, how you doing? What are, the common, what are the most common responses to that question? What do you hear from people? What do you say? Um, fine, probably at the top of the list, right? Fine, great, maybe. Um, busy, <laughs> tired, you know, you know, I've realized like busy has become, it's not really even a lament. It's like almost bragging, right? The busy means I'm not lazy. Busy means that I have really, I have important stuff going on, right? I don't have time to tell you all about it, but just know that I'm busy. Because if I'm busy, I'm, I'm important, right? <laughs> but eventually what happens is we're so busy that we end up, our response becomes, I'm tired. And this is not, you know, the way that Jesus invites us to live. Um, fine, fine itself is kind of the, the blow-off response of like, I don't want to tell you how busy I am. And the reality is we've jam-packed our schedules. Life is, life is accelerating. We think that we're being more efficient, but in reality, um, what we're doing is filling up our calendars with lots of stuff, some good stuff. Okay, but more and more a pursuit of happiness and success and a better future and more experiences and ultimately we think that the more we have, the happier we're gonna be or the more that we're doing or the more that we, the more that we experience and so our calendars reflect this desire um, for more. 
It could be kids' sports and school and house chores and working out and work and coffee and lunches and phone calls and shopping and trips and family obligations and birthdays and holidays and maybe if we can squeeze it in a little church too. And look, the, what, I, what I want you to know first of all about what we're gonna talk about today and through this series is that I'm not speaking about this from a place of having championed it, okay? Like as a team, we, um, we plan our messages together and we preach on both campuses and um, honestly, I didn't take the lead on this series and honestly, somewhere along the line, I was like, isn't there something else we could talk about? <laughs> because the, the idea of me talking about less distracted, less hurried feels almost a little hypocritical, <laughs> just to be honest. And, and so I think that um, what we need to do, though, is be aware, be cognizant of the reality of what we are experiencing that's just a reality of the life that we live. This is, this is also not, I don't have a desire to guilt you. I'm not trying to guilt you. Um, but I do think Jesus wants us to be aware of the effects, long-term effects, of living at an unsustainable rate. Listen. A lot of us have really important responsibilities that do take a lot of time and a lot of energy. So being tired is not, is not a sign that you're somehow missing the mark. So, so just let, don't let the enemy, the enemy's voice tell you things that I'm not trying to communicate, that Jesus wouldn't want to communicate to us. But I do think he wants us to check What's happening? Like we have a lot of kids in the room today. I wanna say something to the kids even. And I know just your ability maybe to see this right now um, may be difficult, but the amount of time that we spend on the screen, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing um, wrong with the screen or the entertainment or the game. I'm not the, the anti-technology guy, okay? but. Over time, our, 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 in this day and what we're experiencing, the amount of time that we spend on the screen is, is stunting our ability emotionally to connect with other people in a real way. This is not just for students or kids, but, but I want you to hear that, and I think all of us have experienced that, where it, where it becomes difficult for us to have meaningful conversations because we're so wrapped up in what's next. See, it's not even really about having a full schedule or about being busy, but it's about being hurried more than anything. It's about being rushed. It's about being at the table with someone, but you can't focus on the relationship. Or you can't focus on the conversation you're supposed to be having right then because you're thinking about what's next and what you have to accomplish and what's left undone that you can't be fully present in that moment. Uh, John Mark Comer wrote a book a few years ago, somebody recommended his book to me and it was a great read and I wanna encourage you, uh, if, if this resonates with you, um, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. He talks about hurry and he says this, he says, granted there is a healthy kind of busyness where your life is full of things that matter, not wasted on empty leisure or trivial pursuits. By that definition, Jesus himself was busy, 
The problem isn't when you have a lot to do, it's when you have too much to do and the only way to keep the quota up is to hurry from one thing to another. That kind of busy is what has us all reeling. Or in another study, uh, Michael Zigarelli spent years studying over 20,000 Christians, all from the age of 15 to 88, across 139 countries, using an online tool called the Obstacles to Growth Survey, and what he found is that we have impediments, all of us. This, work, this is across cultures, uh, across uh, different stages of life and ages, that we all have impediments to a life with God that's abounding, this deep, like we've been talking about, this deeply rooted life. There, there are two kinds of, of obstacles. There are internal obstacles. So those are the things within us, like pride and fear and greed, that prevent us, that stun our growth spiritually and don't allow us to connect and grow with God in the way that he wants us to. But there are also external forces, external obstacles. These are things like cultural conditioning or even legal constraints or you know, the annoying coworker in the cubicle next door. All of these things, these external forces can also combine to make daily surrender a challenge. Um, and so just being aware of all the constraints can help us overcome them, can help us uh, um, work through them. Because still God's call is the same, as, as, he, as, as 1 John 2, 6 says. Whoever claims to live in him, to live in Jesus, whoever claims to be a follower of Christ, to be a Christian, must live as Jesus did. You see, Jesus didn't call us just to this transactional kind of relationship where we say yes to him, make him our savior, our Lord, and then we're good, and, and we've taken care of that, and, and, and we can go about living. Jesus calls us into a rhythm of life to follow him, to apprentice under him, to be a student of Jesus so that the rhythm of our life starts to match the rhythm of Jesus' life. And as Cumber said, there, there is... There's a way in which you look at Jesus' life. You can say Jesus was busy because Jesus was doing many important things, so it's not wrong to be busy. But the problem is, is when we become hurried, when we become impatient, when we become unable to, to stay present in the moment. Among the primary obstacles to walk as Jesus did is this frenetic pace that we're working at, the busyness and hurry and overload and burnout and Overexhaustion, overextension—it's—it's it's known by all kinds of names, but there's really one common outcome: this accelerated pace of activity and modern-day distractions. They distract us from God. They separate us from an abundant, joyful, victorious life, like what Jesus wants us to experience. And so, Zigarelli found this cycle. I want you to try to wrap your minds around how this happens, Christians are assimilating into, we live in a culture of busyness, okay? So even if, if you're a Christian, you can't avoid this. This is the world that you live in. But what happens is, as we assimilate into that culture, we start to, to take on some of the, the values of that culture. And what happens is we start to value busyness and hurry and overload. That, that makes us feel more significant. And so what happens is God becomes uh, more marginalized in Christians' lives, because we're pushing him to the side. 
And as this happens, this leads to deteriorating relationships with God, which leads to Christians becoming even more vulnerable to adopting. You see, we're less informed by the Holy Spirit's work through the scriptures. We're more uh, vulnerable to adopting secular assumptions about how to live, which leads to more conformity to the cultural norms of busyness, hurry, and overload. So the cycle just repeats itself. And pretty soon we've become so disconnected from God because of the busyness that we no longer are able to hear his voice when he calls us back into relationship. So this unchecked busyness and pace of life can be extremely detrimental and have extremely detrimental consequences in every area of our lives and our relationships and the ways that we think and what we believe. And so the idea of being busy or distracted is not a modern concept, but there are new and profound consequences to the reality in which we live today. It's not, though, a new problem. And Jesus, there's a story that I wanna, I wanna be present with today. I invite him to speak to us through this story in John 11. If you have your Bibles, you can open to John chapter 11 in the Gospels. Um, Jesus, it said, had a relationship. He was close friends with three people, Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. Now, this is not his mother, Mary. This is another Mary that Martha and Mary are sisters. And it describes, in John 11, it describes their relationship very succinctly by saying, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. This was a close relationship. He cared for them. They did life together. When Jesus is stressed and hurried and and worn out and tired, oftentimes we'll see him retreating to lonely places, but we'll also see him going to be with friends. And he goes to their house. In verse 38, Luke 10, it says, now they were, as they, were on, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. We're actually gonna be in, in the chapter before, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 10. Sorry, Luke chapter 10, not, not John. John gives the description, flip over to Luke. I'm confusing you now, aren't I? (laughs) Don't hurry, you'll get there, it's fine. (laughs) Luke chapter 10. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. They is referring to the disciples, Jesus's closest followers. So what we see is, you know, there's, there's more than just Jesus coming to town, right? And Mary and Martha welcome them into Martha's home. And Jesus and his people are greeted with wonderful hospitality. You know, I don't know what it was like when they came to town, but Martha and Mary, you know, their friends are coming over and they're gonna host a party and it's Jesus is a pretty special guest, right? And so they wanna make sure all the preparations are right. Like if Jesus was coming to your house, would you be busy making the house ready? Yeah. Okay, you're gonna make it look nice. You're gonna make it, they come in, you know, make yourselves at home and they're preparing, uh, you know, a meal. And listen, doing these things is not... Bad. When Jesus comes over, don't serve rice and beans, okay? Like what we, we misread this story in so many ways, okay? So they're, 
they're doing all this, and it says, and, and she had a sister um, called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teachings. Now, I don't know how this works. Um, I do know that in the ancient world that rabbis would travel around and their disciples were followers were learning and apprenticing under them. They were learning their teachings, their way of life. You know, and so oftentimes, Jesus', Jesus teaching is not like once a week on Sunday, he gets up on the stage and he preaches like what we know today. It's through the rhythms of life. And so they're over and Jesus is teaching and we find Mary who's sitting at the Lord's feet and listening to his teaching. But Martha, it says in verse 40, Martha was distracted with much serving. Doesn't say the serving was bad, wrong. It says she was distracted though. And then what she did next, I think, is at the heart of the story. She went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister Mary has left me to serve alone? Will you tell her to help me? <laughs> Just like a sister, right? <laughs> Tattles. Look at Mary, she's not even helping. I'm doing all this work for you. I want it to be nice. And, you know, and, and listen, he doesn't, she doesn't even pull Jesus aside. She goes into the room where they're all sitting and says this right in front of all the rest of the guests, right? What an awkward moment that is, right? But did you catch that little phrase? Martha was distracted with much serving. Martha wasn't distracted by something evil. It wasn't a bad thing she was doing. Martha wasn't distracted because somehow Satan had a foothold in her life. Martha wasn't distracted because she's in the, in, in the depths of some deep, dark secret of sin. Martha was distracted by an everyday normal chore that was not bad. And I'm pretty sure she was doing it with a heart to serve Jesus and the disciples but she missed, she was distracted because, and she missed what was truly important in that moment. Now listen to Jesus' words to her, but maybe, maybe, I don't know how you've heard this story, if you have heard it before, maybe you've heard this differently, but I want you to listen to, to Jesus' words to her in a different way that I believe is more accurate to the story today. Verse 41, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. I gotta admit, every time I, I think Marsha, Marsha, you know, like I'm in the Brady Bunch worlds, but we can just, that's another rabbit trail, right? Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Now, in the church, oftentimes, we have this history of using this passage to describe like two personalities, two different, you know, are you more of a Martha or are you more of a Mary? And if you're more of a Martha, then you're in trouble because Jesus is gonna scold you. That's kind of the way that we have unraveled this story, maybe in some ways that aren't helpful because I don't think that's what's at play here. You see, 
Jesus' word was to Martha and for Martha in that moment. Jesus doesn't condemn her for what she is doing to contribute to the party. In fact, I imagine it's not recorded, but I imagine he thanked her for the work that she had done to make sure that it was possible. But he recognizes in that moment that Martha is so consumed with what Mary's not doing. She's so consumed with what has to be done and why Mary's not helping her that she is missing a moment to be present with the Lord. And, and, and he doesn't scold her, he encourages her. I think this is a voice that puts her at peace, that puts her at ease and helps her to open her ears to hear the Lord. I don't know, I don't know what he said to Mary, but Mary's word was for Mary and Martha's word is for Martha. And we need to be open to the Lord's correction and not hear him as scolding us Martha was anxious and troubled about something. And the Lord calms her spirit and brings her peace in that moment. And I don't know what you face today, but I know we live in a busy world. I know we live hurried and thinking about what's next. And I imagine if Jesus were here, he'd have a word for us. In fact, he is here, and I hope that you hear his voice through these words, through this story. Because here's the truth, friends. Hurry is a form of violence to the soul. In that book, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, John Mark Comer provides a list of 10 symptoms of hurry sickness. 10 symptoms of hurry sickness because if we identify the symptoms, listen, what we do a lot of times is we just deal with the symptoms. We try to overcome the symptoms. We address the symptoms. We, we create more to-dos and more things to, to help us somehow conquer the symptoms when instead what we need to do is get to the heart of the issue. What about the 10, 10 symptoms of hurry sickness? See if these resonate with you. Irritability, you get mad, frustrated, or just annoyed way too easily. Little things, just small things tick you off. People have, a, have to tiptoe around you and your ongoing low-grade negativity, if not anger. Hypersensitivity, by the way, do not nudge your neighbor during this list. <laughs> this is for you. <laughs> Hypersensitivity, all it takes is a minor comment to hurt your feelings a grumpy email set you off. Little turn of events throw you into an emotional funk and ruin your whole day. Minor things quickly escalate to major emotional events. Depending on your personality, it might show up as anger or nitpickiness or anxiety or depression or tiredness, but you just can't seem to roll with the punches like you wish you could. Restlessness, number three. When you actually do try to slow down and rest, you can't relax. You give Sabbath a try, you hate it. Silent retreat, no thanks. You read the scripture, 
you find it boring. You have to try another devotional, another thing. Your quiet time with God, yeah, you tried that, but you can't focus your mind. And so you go to bed early and toss and turn, hoping to get some rest, but all you end up is, with is more anxiety. Or workaholism, just nonstop activity. You don't know when to stop. Another hour, another day, another week, more and more and more. These show up with an obsession. And these obsessions can be all different types of things. You, you know, you've organized that closet four times. You have a, an obsession over house cleaning and errand running. You fall prey in this kind of, this, this hurried workaholism. What happens is the sunset fatigue. You're busy so much, so fast, so all day that by the time you get home, you have nothing to give your spouse and your children, the people that you say are most important to you. Or emotional numbness. You just don't have the capacity to feel other people's pain anymore. They matter to you, but you don't feel anything. Out of order priorities. You feel disconnected from your identity and your calling and what you knew was true about you some day ago. You get sucked into the urgent. No longer living for the important. You're reactive instead of proactive. How about lack of care for your body? You don't have time for eight hours of sleep or exercise or healthy home-cooked meals. Instead, you just kind of manage it. You, you get sick, though, multiple times a year. You wake up tired, you don't sleep well, or you live off of what he calls the four horsemen of the industrialized food apocalypse. Caffeine, sugar, processed carbs, and alcohol. Or what about escapist behaviors? You know, binge watching Netflix or spending way too much time on social media or on websites that we know we shouldn't be on. Narcotics are good, healthy, even on an occasional short-term basis when they shield us from unnecessary pain. You find yourself stuck in this negative feedback loop of socially acceptable addictions. Or how about a slippage of spiritual disciplines? When we get over busy or overtired, um, we, don't have the we don't have the energy for the discipline that it takes. And so we waste our, times, our time and we can't sit still and inevitably we emotionally crash because we're not maintaining a life with God and, and being in silence. How about isolation? You feel disconnected from God and others and your own soul on those rare times when you actually do stop and pray and, and by prayer I don't mean like stopping to ask God for something. I mean sitting and listening. Sitting in the stillness with God. How many of us like struggle with boredom? Like if you realize, like I've realized like without even, without even, without, I don't know how this happened, but somewhere along the line now, I can't sit still with nothing to do without my hand just reaching for, where's my phone? I will occupy my mind with something. And I'll admit that most of the time, whatever I open on my phone is really not that important. And along the way, what we've done is we've stunted our ability to connect and to be present and to be fully present with other people because we're not good at being bored. Like, I remember as a kid, like, like I didn't like being bored, but I was actually pretty good at it. <laughs> I'm not any good at it anymore just to sit and to be quiet and to be still.
Listen, again, this is not about guilt. Let me tell you what else it's not. This series is not gonna be a self-help series. We're not gonna give you the 10 steps to overcome the 10 symptoms of the hurried sickness. Instead, I wanna ask you to do two things. Number one, show up. Show up ready to hear God's voice. Sunday mornings, maybe in your small group, come with an open mind and an open heart to hear what the Lord wants for you to hear. Do that and I believe that he'll, he'll speak. And then I want to encourage you to find some space, some time during the week to put the distractions away, to slow down, and to be still with God. In fact, that's what I wanna do right now. Will you bow your heads? The psalmist says, be still and know that I am God. Be still, my friends. Not be still and there will be no more problems. Not be still and all your worries will be gone. Not be still and magically all your relationships will flourish. Not be still and there won't be any more heartache. Not be still and all of a sudden the world will be perfect around you. Be still and know that he is God. Be still and know that he is greater. God doesn't remove all of our problems. But over the long haul, when we sit with him, when we spend time with him, he brings us a peace. a strength, a resilience to overcome. So just as we sang about earlier, the battle, your biggest battles in life be the ones that you can't win with the gloves on. You can't win by fighting in your own strength. You can't win by being smart enough, working hard enough. You win the biggest battles on your knees in prayer. daily turning to the Father. 
allowing his spirit to move in your heart to bring you strength, to bring you peace, to give you wisdom so that you can go into this crazy world, into the brokenness of this world. He doesn't call you to stay there forever, but he calls you there so that you can overcome, so that you can live the life you were designed to live on purpose, intentionally. Choosing the things of God. Blessing others. So God, we pray that you would be present with us here. We thank you that you are. God, so often we're so distracted and so busy that we're not even aware of your presence. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help us that as we create space for you, you'd come, you'd speak. There's people here, there are people here this morning, Lord. Some of us need comfort. Some of us need healing. Some of us, Lord, need to know how to work through a broken relationship, to let go of hurts, expectations, resentment, bitterness. So God, I pray that you'd flood our hearts and our minds, that you'd help us to step forward in a new way. Help us, Lord, to be fully present with you, that we might be fully present with one another, that we might not live this life so that it's a blur, wasting our days away. God, what we need most of all is you. are so grateful that you joined us today and invite you to visit us online at foundrychurch.org for more information on how you can worship, serve, and get connected with us.